0: Hey, everybody. Hello, hello. Are we all here? I don't want to lose anyone. I don't want <laughs> anyone to get left behind. I didn't count. I can't count to 21, so somebody else has to take the role. Rubbed <laughs> again. Uh, thank you, everybody, for, uh, for coming, obviously. Um, it's exciting to be here and meet everybody. And if you haven't talked to me yet, I want to talk to you. I want to talk to everybody. Um, I'm Arkanox. You can also call me Nick. Um, and I'm the cyberspace guy if you've seen me on Noster and uh, I guess I yeah, Santos invited me to talk about cyberspace and all the crazy stuff that I'm doing on Noster um, I you might if you've seen me on Noster I consistently have my status set to other stuff maximalist because that's what I'm excited about on Noster is all the other stuff. I loved hearing about what wavelake is doing with other stuff and music I think that's just super inspiring and uh, my brother is a musician, so that really resonated with me in, in what they're doing. Um, but I, I'm coming at other stuff from a totally other angle, and before I get into it, can I say bad words up here? Yeah? yeah? Okay, so <laughs> meta- <laughs> metaverse, it's a bad, horrible word. Everybody hates that word. Um, it's, it's a disgusting word that people don't like, and I totally get it, uh, because... Everything that exists today that, um, yeah, that people call a metaverse, it's not. It's nothing to do with anything that has its origins in science fiction and what was originally considered the metaverse. So I'm going to talk about that. Uh, but I also have my buddy up here. You want to introduce yourself?
1: Hey, what's up, <laughs> So I'm uh, Santos. Uh, I've been doing some community building since, like, 2018, and started doing some Bitcoin organizing in 2021 and just kept pushing that forward. I started producing some like educational content around Lightning and Bitcoin and soon enough it became a course. I kept organizing different meetups with the objective of increasing Bitcoin adoption and awareness and uh, yeah, how did I get started with Noster? Uh, I thought of an alternative to RSS and I was working with Fiat Joff at the time as EBD and I pitched him on this idea of using um, JSON instead of XML, which is what uh, RSS uses. And Good choice. Yeah. <laughs> I hate much XML. More, much more lightweight. And uh, at the banks uh, work that worked out, we used XML to ingest all the transactions on it. So I just knew the complexity involved. I was like, why don't we just use JSON? Way more simple, way more lightweight. So I was nervous. I pitched Vietjoff on this. And he's like, oh, I happen to have this project called Noster. Well, I thought you were going to say that it was your on. idea.
0: No. So I actually invented. It and just, yeah, no. I Stole my idea.
1: <laughs> no, no, I, I pitched him all this. He's like, I have a, a pretty developed project, and I've thought a lot of these things through, and you should check it out. So that's that's where my Noster journey began. That's where my community building uh, began, and started working with uh, QW Sam and Heidi uh, to organize this event, as you guys heard earlier with the opening ceremony, and then generally uh, Bitcoiner since like. 2014, my brother over there, Michael introduced me to Bitcoin and uh, yeah well I had heard about Bitcoin in like 20, 2011. I didn't think anything of it. Michael like really made me sit down and study it and like um, understand it better and what we were trying to do as an alternative uh, payment system. So then it just became an obsession that just infected my mind, became mind malware. I think SqW would say just never left me. and I saw the same potential with Noster as soon as I began uh, learning the technology, so I'm incredibly bullish and I love building and developing like applications around it to increase adoption. And uh, yeah, that's a bit about me, my Bitcoin background. I, I for, formally joined like a Bitcoin company in uh, 2021, ZBD, as the first product manager, uh, and now I'm uh, vice president of business intelligence at, at ZBD. And, uh, what, what, am I forgetting anything? No, I, that's pretty much all about me and, like, kind of what my journey that has led me here. And I'm really excited because ZBD is a fintech for the gaming industry, so I've studied a lot of these use cases. I've studied Nostr and Lightning and where it can really innovate, and Arkanox here, man, after I was exposed to his ideas, uh, I think through QW, I just became quite fascinated with, uh many of his projects and his writings, but in particular, Crash Glow, which is going to, I think, massively revolutionize game publishing and game distribution. Well,
0: thank you. I should probably say more about myself than just my name. Um. <clears throat> so I... Uh, yeah, tell us more about yourself. Yeah. Like, how did you get here? What's
1: your noster story? Um, like, how did you get involved with gaming, too? I think that's like another... Or yeah. not gaming, but cyberspace in general. And can you tell us a little bit about cyberspace, too?
0: Oh, yeah. I can tell you a lot. I can tell you a lot about cyberspace. Um, so I've been a gamer my whole life. Uh, I remember drawing Sonic the Hedgehog like, as like the first thing that I ever remember drawing way back in kindergarten. Um, so, yeah, I've always loved gaming. It's always just been a part of my life. Um, I started building websites when I was 11, and I kind of just never stopped uh, doing web development. and then out of college, I got my first job doing web development for a marketing agency, and I'm still at that agency. I've been there for 15 years. Um, And since then, I've started all these other offshoot things, but I I discovered Bitcoin in late 2020 when I was at a party and somebody was like, you're a tech guy, right? What do you know about Bitcoin? I was like, I don't know anything about Bitcoin. And I went home that night and it really bothered me that I didn't know anything about Bitcoin. And so I started researching it and yeah, I, I kind of fell in the rabbit hole really hard. And I remember buying my first $10 on Cash App and I was literally like sweating. Like I was, <laughs> I was like, is this just gonna vanish after I buy it? Like what's gonna happen? It was just a whole journey. But, um, and then I was studying Lightning because I was coming at it from a technical side. I thought that Lightning was gonna be the future. And I still, I, I think Lightning is the future, um, but there's also other cool things like Cashew and, and eCash um, but I was researching it, and I found Fiat Joff, and he was doing all these fun, like, lightning experiments, and his GitHub is full of awesome stuff. But then I stumbled upon his markdown file called Noster. Noster, sorry. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's, I, I struggle with that. Um, so I, I read the Noster protocol. This was back in 2021, and I was instantly sold on it because I had seen all the stuff going on in Twitter with censorship and, and things like that, and I was all about it. And so as soon as it was available, I tried out Brandly, Um and I was posting on Noster. I was DMing with uh, Will Kasserin, and I didn't, I didn't really know who he was, and obviously I was a nobody, uh, but we were talking, and I was talking to Zero XTR and Uncle Bob Martin and all these people who were like, the, it was like the first 50 people on Noster. And we all just followed each other because there was nobody else, and there was no discovery. So you'd go like to Fiat Jobs' profile and just follow everyone he was following, and then follow everyone they were following. And then we all just followed each other. It was like one, it was, yeah, <laughs> it was funny. Um, and so yeah, so I played with it a little bit. I got my first official pub key and posted my first official post. Uh, it was February 11th. I just had my Noster two-year anniversary. Um, and then I kind of didn't really use it much because nobody else I really knew used it until Jack joined and then I got back into it and that's when the clients started getting better Um, Snort came out and that was really really good uh, compared to what was available and it just keeps getting better and, and whatnot and then I got Amethyst when that was available and it's just been awesome to see it grow and the whole time I was like I want to build on this so bad. Like how, I, was at, I actually DM'd Will, and I was like, how do you get paid to work on open source software? Because I just want to do this. And he was kind of like, I don't know. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's not easy. It's not easy to find a, a, a path to monetization, especially since I'd never worked in open source before. Um, everything that I had done was through the agency. We were working for you know, doing website projects and custom software development for uh, state, local, federal government, tribal government you know, organizations, hospitals, schools, all that stuff. So it was kind of like a different thing, but I was just so passionate about the idea and the freedom uh, behind Noster. So um, I had a side business that I decided I was not really going anywhere with, so I shut it down early 2022, or wait, is that 23? I can't even remember now. Anyway. One one of those years. Yeah, one of those years. I I <laughs> shut it down and no, it was it was twenty-three. Um and and I decided I was just gonna focus my free time on just developing Nostra stuff. And a month later I had my proof of concept of Ono Sendai. And so like when I was studying the Nostra protocol, I kept on getting this feeling that there was more to it than just notes. I was like, there's gotta you gotta be able to do something. You know, more than just notes. And you can do text and you can transfer data, and really everything is just data, you know, fundamentally. And I, I've been doing a lot of work in the augmented reality space um, with my project Yonder. And so I was really interested in like 3D, augmented reality, 3D worlds. How could you do that? You know, geospatial stuff, how could you do that with Nostr? And I kind of realized that it, it's totally doable, um, but no one was really doing it yet. And so I built Onosendai as like a proof of concept that I could visualize a 3D world from this very 2D protocol, um, if you want to call it that. And people thought it was awesome, and it blew up, and it was like my first Noster project, and everybody thought it was super interesting, and, and I kind of just... At the time, I was reading Neuromancer, which is a fantastic book, very foundational sci-fi, um, written in 84, and it coined the word cyberspace. It coined... Uh, using the word matrix to to refer to a 3D realm. It uh, it talks, it was so forward thinking. It talks about like human augmentation and orbital colonies and like brain machine interface. All of this, all this stuff was like in this book in 84, so long ago. And so um, I was reading that book at the time and it's all about cyberspace. Uh, It was like the first work of fiction about cyberspace. And I thought like, why is nothing out there that like Facebook isn't building it, Microsoft's not building it, Apple's not building it. They're calling it a metaverse, they're calling it whatever. It has nothing to do with the original ideas in these books. So that that brings us to like a great question, right? Yeah. It's
1: like what is cyberspace in, in your eyes?
0: Yeah. So cyberspace is a digital world that is it's like a new thing that we're adding on to reality. So it's not a replacement for reality, it's not a simulation. It's a new place that is now accessible to us because of Noster. And the properties of Noster are what enable it to exist in a consequential way. Um, there is a little bit of a philosophical side to this, but... Uh, Hit us with it. We love <laughs> philosophy. Right. So um, a lot of this came from, from my studying Bitcoin, uh, studying proof of work, and reading the... Uh, the book that shall not be named, um, soft war, (laughs) (laughs) uh, soft war. I, I was, I found it very inspiring. I, I don't agree with all the ideas in it, but I think it's a really interesting book. Uh, and it's all about proof of work. And so when, when you have proof of work, what you're doing is you're capturing a material change in reality. You're capturing a record of that in proof of work. You have a digital record of a material change that happened in our world. That's what makes Bitcoin consequential because you have material changes. Like people are literally digging holes and burning coal to make electricity and creating infrastructure and transmitting electricity and generating heat and generating, you know, they have their ASICs running. It's changing our planet in little tiny ways. And I'm not saying that those changes are are bad or good. They're just changes. Um, And that, all of that material change is captured in bitcoin and i would argue that the reason why bitcoin is the best money and why it matters so much is because it is the it is the digital thing with the most material changes happening to represent it there's no other digital thing in the digital universe in all of our computer systems that has more provable changes in material reality that can be verified and so proof of work is like this way to connect real life changes to a digital world and make what I call digital consequential objects. And so Bitcoin obviously is fantastic money. Uh, sats make great money. They're great for trans- transferring value. But I would argue that not every digital consequential object needs to function as money. In, in fact, it shouldn't. It's great that we have just one clear winner. We shouldn't try to muddy that. And so... But I think that there's a lot of uses of proof of work that can be explored to create digital consequential objects, whether it's in cyberspace or just a Noster or whatever. Noster, sorry. And uh, we can create things that are... It's a new class of digital object. Like, anyone can create digital stuff. It's, like, basically free, right? You can create a text file. You can copy it. uh, You can do all this stuff. But if you add proof of work to it, it's no longer something quite as fungible or copyable. It's also no longer just a, a piece of data. It's actually like a higher class of, of digital object. Um, and so I just think that uh, there's so much potential with that uh, in gaming. You can have proof of work like items. I've been, I've been researching how you can like imagine you're crafting something in a game, but the crafting process is literally you mining that item and by following the certain protocol you're able to actually create your own items following these the set of rules and the amount of work that you put into that item is actually how valuable or, or powerful it is
1: yeah let's let's that's very interesting let's let's un- <laughs> I still let's didn't answer that. what cyberspace
0: is but I'll I can get to that let's unpack that a little <laughs>
1: bit cuz we may have people that have interacted with nostr used nostr applications and have uh, great experience engaging with the community. I think from like a developer perspective, we kind of look at it from a different lens and different focal point. Because when we're choosing a specific technology to build with, they all have their trade-offs, advantages, and unique selling points. So thinking about like why is Noster uh, a technology that is de- like, that empowers developers, which then in, in turn empowers the consumers of these applications, like, what about Noster? Because all those things that we're talking about in terms of items, in terms of proof of work, like, they need to be built on a, on a firm foundation that's sound, yep. and that makes sense to transmit and receive data. Because the thing about NFTs is that they, one, you had all these different competing blockchains that would issue them, and then they were also trying to compete with Bitcoin as money, and they, they, were, they were not truly scarce, they were images. What you truly owned was like a hash. So thinking about like that in terms of a technology, a lot of the things that were being claimed and promised did not get fulfilled. So with Noster, there's a fundamental difference that you mm-hmm. touched on in, in what you were saying. So as a developer, I think it's important that maybe we establish like as developers, why do we see Noster as a technology worth building on? What are like the key selling, not selling points, but unique aspects of it as a protocol that make you really excited about it, and then let's touch on that identity layer and the ownership of, of events associated yeah. with. Uh, you know, basically, you can prove whether or not someone has produced something with a digital signature. So, and if you could help work, us, yeah. un- exactly, and if yeah. you could help us understand uh, that aspect of it, that would, I think, segue really nice into the, the next part of, in terms of gaming and items and
0: such. Sounds great. So. um my thoughts on why NOSTER is the best uh, protocol to build this stuff on, and by stuff I guess I just mean kind of like anything of consequence, is actually, uh, it's probably not what you would expect. There's no technical uh, argument. Well, there are technical arguments, but those I think are secondary to the fact that um, NOSTER has and is capable of exhibiting two properties that reality also exhibits. And to me, that allows NOSTER to function as an extension of reality in a, in a digital kind of way, in a digital world. And those two properties are NOSTER is permissionless and NOSTER is, thermo, it can be thermodynamic. You can add proof of work into NOSTER. Uh, reality is a, whether you think of it like this or not, it is a protocol. We all have to abide by that protocol. Um, almost everything is actually a protocol if you think about it, but reality is a protocol where Uh, If you want to do something and you have the energy to do it, you can do it There's literally nothing that can stop you. If you have the thermodynamic energy, you can do anything Uh, It may not be socially acceptable, but you can still certainly do it and the only way for someone to stop you is to oppose you by also Spending energy. So that means that reality is permissionless Now we may not think of it like that because we're used to following laws Which are sort of like these invisible threats that keep us in line uh, but in reality, you can really do whatever you want um, and, and as long as you have the energy to do it. Also, to do anything in reality, you have to expend energy. So to, tr- to turn your ideas into something real, you ha- your muscles have to expend energy to make that thought real. And so the thermodynamic aspect of reality is, is really critical. And so then when you have a digital system that models those two properties, you come up with something that is really compelling. And the first system that did that was Bitcoin. It is a permissionless thermodynamic protocol that has the same two properties as reality, and that's why uh, people learn about Bitcoin and they like they stop eating and stop sleeping and just study it because it's like so compelling. It's so it's like amazing and interesting and like how can it be possible? I think the reason why it has that effect on people is because. They, they they sense like this unity between this digital system and reality it follows the same rules it has the same properties and so when when Nostre can when i realized that nostr can also be thermodynamic and permissionless just like bitcoin just like reality that opened up this whole like world of possibilities of consequential digital experiences that we can build in nostr and it doesn't just have to be cyberspace it can be almost anything
1: absolutely that's the other stuff of uh, Noster, right? Notes and other stuff transmitted by relays. So, I think that's really fascinating. And then, as a developer, you're able to use the same data structure across representing multiple things, yeah, multiple that's super, pieces of content. Super nice. And then you can also verify who produced these events in this data structure, which makes it really powerful. On top of that, Noster comes with the ability to connect to servers and transmit data in real time so uh, it gives some really great advantages as a developer that didn't previously exist and on top of that you could send these this data to multiple servers instead of just one typically you have like facebook talking to you know, it's sell, it's client. You but Facebook can't talk to TikTok, so on and so forth. So I think, as like a consumer and as a developer, that's a really powerful thing. And then layering on proof of work on top of it. Yeah. So now getting into some of your well, pro- oh, go ahead. Sorry. Well, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I was no. I was gonna
0: say I should probably tell everybody what cyberspace actually is because yeah. I feel like I'm just killing everybody with the with the. No, you're not. This is very holding the stuff. you know the reveal. Yeah. Um. So like cyberspace, I have have been building it based on this kind of. You know these two properties of reality, this sort of theoretical framework, I've been building it to be as consistently in line with what I've read in science fiction about cyberspace. And how science fiction depicts cyberspace is that it is an open, permissionless, ubiquitous, omnipresent digital world where your actions have consequence, uh, everything has a cost of some kind, and people can exhibit and, and express their power and creativity in a consequential way that everyone else recognizes as legitimate and and real. Uh, there's no central authority. There's no banning people from cyberspace. It's available everywhere. And I think that Noster is the perfect uh, protocol to build that. I mean, you've seen like the, the mesh network stuff that people are talking about. That would enable cyberspace to literally exist anywhere where you have these mesh devices like transmitting, like these little mesh relays for Noster. You could have cyberspace happening anywhere on the planet, even in outer space. Um, and so, yeah, cyberspace is a, it's like, if you imagine a, a place, <laughs> a cube, like a giant cube, a coordinate system, where you can move around inside this space and you can build stuff, and the stuff that you build is like as real as your Satoshis are real. Like, they're, they're there, and other people can experience those things, interact with them, and, and things like that. Um, that's like a very high level overview. I often say that uh, Bitcoin captures the time dimension in a digital system. Cyberspace captures or it does its best to capture the spatial dimensions in a digital system. And between Bitcoin and cyberspace, we have a, a, a modeling of reality that isn't, it isn't, re- it's not reality, it's not a replacement for reality, but it is a a—it is a expression or an addition to reality that has the same properties.
1: Kind of sounds like to me, it's- Cyberspace could be defined as a network of virtual worlds. And if you think about the concept of events and relays, being able to choose which relays you're connected to, which relays you're gonna, which events you're going to pull from these relays, you can almost construct your own version of cyberspace. It's essentially like a bunch of different virtual worlds existing Simultaneously, is that an accurate way of thinking about this? How would how how do you think about like this representation of cyberspace?
0: Yeah, it's interesting because I think that there's certain things that make a lot of sense to do in cyberspace, and then there's other things that don't make a lot of sense. And uh, I don't even know what the what the definition or the the rule is for all that yet. Um, I I think I think of cyberspace as a uh, a place that is very similar in how it functions to reality. I mean, there's like rules and, uh, you know, people's thermodynamic energy is, can be expressed in this space and you can use it to build, you can use it to, uh, you know, fight with other people, I guess, if you want. I mean, there's, there's sort of this, it's like this new place. It's not on the planet Earth. It's like maybe the farthest we'll get from planet Earth in our lifetimes unless we have a breakthrough in space travel. Um, But it is a new place that obeys the laws of physics in terms of thermodynamic expenditure. Um, And so I'm excited to see what people build on it. uh, And I don't know exactly what people will build on it. Speaking of building stuff on it, talk to us more about the projects
1: that you have going on. Uh, I think this would be great to touch on, like, gaming in particular. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, so, I mean, I think there's a there's a lot of cool things that you could do with gaming in cyberspace. I try not to lean into it because I don't want people to think, oh, cyberspace, that's the gaming thing, because I think it's a lot more than that. But I think that there's a lot of cool gaming stuff you can do. Um, so, like, I've been working on this, this cyberspace object uh, specification that allows you to define, uh, uh, like, a, a function that is like it represents every point in every point in 3d space, and that function can represent like how likely you are to encounter an enemy in a random battle in a game or something like that, and it could be tied to a specific location or it could represent like the loot drop probability of, of a treasure chest mm. or and you can you can anyone can publish one of these and then you could sample that for your game as like a kind of open uh, defined data set that anyone can access. And you can pull that in and use it as, as like a, an engine for your game, for, for how you <laughs> handle those I- encounters or things like that. Or you can use it for terrain. It could, it could be like a, a function that models terrain across 3D space. Um, I apologize if some of this is kind of abstract, because it is. It 100% <laughs> is. But it, it's like these fundamental building blocks that will enable people to build other things on top of them. Um, one thing that is really important to know about cyberspace that I want to get across is that it actually, uh, there's two sides to it. There's, there's a the virtual side and the real side. Um, and that's kind of just a function of how the coordinate system developed, but the real side of cyberspace is where every point in cyberspace corresponds to a physical point in our world. So like this chair right here where I'm pointing, that's a, that's a point in cyberspace. And so you'll be able to publish digital things that will exist in tandem in real places in cyberspace. And that opens up so many interesting opportunities for interactive 3D experiences that are completely permissionlessly published. You use proof of work to put them in a location so that you really own that location. And it allows people to do things anywhere on on the planet. Um, I think that's pretty compelling. Instead of having Apple own the servers that own all the things, and they control and, and moderate all the experiences that are possible in augmented reality, you have this open protocol, NOSTER, and where anyone can publish these interactive things, in the planet, we can ter- we can digitally terraform our entire planet uh, with this open permissionless proof of work based system.
1: Absolutely, it's it's pretty fascinating to see example early examples of this play out too. Like one of my colleagues and great friends, uh, Michael Tidwell, is working on a game, Satoshi Settlers. And when he originally started, he really wanted to learn. Rust uh, to become an expert in Rust and as a part of that began using Bevy which is a game engine to build his game inside of a web application and he originally started with like the block data and just being able to like click on things and see the block data related to
0: Bitcoin and from there, he added and in he turned Lightning. it into real estate. He turned it into which real estate, is super. Exactly. It's like that spatial, that desire to like find that digital spatial element. I think I totally relate to that. I think it's really cool.
1: Because now you can do authentication with Nostr too. Being able to use the same technology, where you can prove you own this particular UTXO and spend it, you you can meet the spend condition. You can do the same thing uh, for Nostr.
0: So as imagine well. that every block in the blockchain. Is like a plot of land, and that's what the game is sort of based on. And it, and so you have like this spiral of like the Genesis block, and then it kind of just spirals outward. And you can buy a space, and then you start to build like a little civilization. I don't really know what his roadmap is of like what you do if he wants to make it into like a civilization type conquest game, or if he wants to just have it be like a you know Settlers of Catan type build, build whatever. But it's a, it's a cool way to. You know, like build something sort of spatial and gamified on top of these bedrock uh, protocols that we have, Bitcoin and and Nostr.
1: And if you wanted to show this, show this information on another point in cyberspace, you could do so. Yeah. And that's like one beautiful thing about this network is, for example, if someone issues me a note on Relay A, I can have this other client B or this client fetch from Relay A and B and be able to show that information across different social networks. So, and you can really choose, as a developer, what you want to include within your application and what information you want to pull in. So I think you can represent these things really well across different applications, depending upon whatever the app developer wants to do. Because of that open network aspect, open information, and the ability to know what to expect in terms of data, it just opens up these really powerful capabilities. You touched on earlier some of the things that we could do. We circled back to kind of break this down a little bit. What in terms of gaming like are you most excited about? I heard you mention items. Mm -hmm. I heard you mention a few other things related to proof of work. Would you like to elaborate on that? that Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I just really am bullish on proof of work. Um, I think everybody should be, uh, Odell says that, uh, the hash rate is the price of Bitcoin. Um, you know, Some people have told me, well, you should only use proof of work for Bitcoin, you shouldn't use proof of work for anything else. And to that, I would say, like, that's like telling someone that you can only use gasoline for cars, you're not allowed to use it for boats or motorcycles or lawnmowers or something like that. I feel like you should be able to use proof of work for whatever and let the market decide what your proof of work should go towards, like if you want to use all your hash power for Bitcoin, that's great. Uh, if you want to use a little bit of it for cyberspace or mining an item in a game that you care about, I think that's up to you. And I think yeah. that you can make something that, you know, using proof of work and having a game which operates like a protocol, you can have like, an item that you mine that is powerful and cool and meaningful to you and it, and it does something in a game. And yeah. so I've, I've been looking at how you can design a game where uh, you allow the players to actually like, craft, like, to mine their own items, but the items have to follow certain rules. And so the proof of work on that item that you mine kind of is interpreted as like the stats of the item. And I think that's just a really cool way to, uh, like instead of having to design a, a cap where you're like, okay, this is the most powerful item, this is the least powerful item, and you're allowed to get something random in between, you just design it so that you're like, uh, this is the least powerful item and go hash, go hash your heart out and see what you can get. Uh, it's all, it's up, totally up to you. Um, and then let the market and the hash power potential be what really ultimately governs the, the power of the items in the game.
1: Yeah, and I think we see lots of different examples of this play out already. For example, like NPUB mining. Uh, Patrick o- o- Ulrich uh, mined for Bitblock Boom, really cool NPUB that has having in it because there's a having party there. So there are people who are already spending hash doing these sort of things and comp- spending computation. In addition to that, like look at hashcash, for example, to be able to prevent email spam. I think that's a great use case because one case may happen where the individual wishing to send the email doesn't have sats to transmit over the lightning network, to send over the lightning network. So what do you do in that use case when not everyone has Bitcoin, but there are these, some interesting applications to benefit the greater good? And also to just try and experiment with new things and see how they play out. I've always been like a huge advocate of the other things in the, the part of the Noster side of things, for example. I think uh, when on QWs, uh, the first time I was on PCR, that's what we were talking about. One way that we really connected was talking about all the applications just beyond like Twitter clones, for example and uh being able to like basically bring back that old internet so i see this as like definitely something interesting to experiment with and see what the boundaries are where the use cases are and letting the market and the users determine you know what is valuable for them so that's kind of how i am understanding uh what you're sharing with us today
0: yeah i've heard people say once i explain this to them that it's exciting that some of these things like cyberspace and um, gaming and things like that could actually give, it could breathe new life into old uh, mining hardware that isn't really useful for actual Bitcoin mining. Because people have ASICs sitting around that are like too weak to really make, you know, really move the needle, uh, but you could use it for these other things. And I think that's just really cool that you could have these secondary, the secondary hash market basically.
1: Yeah, that's fascinating. The other
0: cool thing about all this hashing stuff is that all of it can be delegated. So just the way that uh, Noster works. When you put proof of work into an event, you could actually pay someone else to mine that for you. And uh, they can mine the event, and then you sign it. So all, all of cyberspace stuff, you could delegate your, your hash power to someone else if you want to pay them to mine for you. Uh, same with, with the game items and stuff like that. And um, yeah, I, I just think it's a really interesting idea. I've heard a lot of people raise concerns about, you know oh, well, what if someone just pays a whole bunch of money for a whole bunch of hash power, and then they get like the best item in the game? And frankly, I'm like okay with that. I don't see any That's problem with that to play, at all, right? I, I mean, they it, have those you could, in gaming You already. could do that, yeah, basically. But you could also do that just with Bitcoin. Like, you could go buy a bunch of hash power and mine a bunch of Bitcoin. I mean, if you want to try to do that, it, it's like the whole point is that it is the regulator is not a permission system where you can tell people what they can and can't do, the regulator is the thermodynamic cost. That is, that is what regulates it and it's open to anybody and that's what makes it permissionless. And so I'm just like really leaning into the whole, this is permissionless, this is thermodynamic, let the market decide and, and see where, that, where those dynamics lead because I don't think there's any, you know, I, I can't think of any right now proof of work based like item systems for games. Game economies are traditionally always broken. Yeah, you know, they, they always are. get broken after yep and, and it, it happened like eve online you oh know? man yeah that they, was such a
1: crazy situation that, they
0: have like a literal currency that you know in that game that people kind of depend on if they're really serious about the game and there's there's inflationary issues there I think that if there was a, a proof of work based currency or, or system in that game I think it would it could potentially fix some issues I don't know I think it just hasn't been tried so I want to try it
1: yeah it's definitely something interesting to think about that's top of mind for us at ZBD, is just what kind of interesting things can you do? We are thinking Sats based economies, um, but definitely open and interested to learn more about the proof of work based economies as well. Yeah. Definitely think there's something to that. In addition to these great projects and this great vision that you have of cyberspace, you also worked on a project, I think, for uh, Nostra Asia, right? You, you competed in the yeah, hackathon. the Crash Glow, yeah. Crash Glow, and that also has some really great implications for game publishing. Right now, there are game pla- platforms and game publishers similar to what Sam and, and Michael were talking about, in Open Mic as well, yeah. GW. There's these There's these big, massive companies that control, you know, most of the market, and there, most of the there's three fundamental parts to the gaming industry. There's game development; those are the individuals actually produ- like creating the game and developing it. There's game distribution, and, and um, there's game monetization. So, like we, we we can look at like many different forms of uh, monetization. Those are like pretty well understood. You can do like payment processing, in-app purchases, download, sell downloadable content, sell premium games, those sort of things. But in terms of game distribution, you kind of have to take you, you kind of have to take your game and go to like a big company to produ- basically get it in front of all of the different users. And with Noster, I, I found your project pretty fascinating because you're kind of flipping all of that on its head and opening it up to really empower the game developer who's trying to publish their game. So please tell us a little bit about you know, that project and kind of what, what, what was the goal of that project? How are you using Nostr And how does it empower
0: the developer and
1: yeah, so, the users
0: of the game? Too? Yeah, 100%. Um, so John B. Uh, came to me with this hackathon project idea. And I just immediately was like, yes, this makes sense. His idea was to create a, like an ar- a web-based arcade where people can take, their, they can take their game that they made and they can publish the game on Noster and then other people can like, you know, retrieve that game and play it in their web browser. So it becomes like this way that you can collect games. You can uh, you know, comment on the games with all the native social features in Noster. You can retweet or boost the game. You could zap the game and then that money goes to the creator. But I took the concept a step further and I was like, what if you had like insert coin to play type functionality in these games, where they have a little bit of code they put in the game, and it'll actually uh, require the user to send a tiny cashew payment, which cashew is like a a layer on top of lightning, Um, and they could send a tiny cashew payment that unlocks the game and lets you play, like for an extra life, or you could have them buy the game outright, or however the developer wants to charge, but that money goes directly to the developer from the player, and there's literally no intermediary. And so the idea of like I can publish my game myself on this, dist- this you know, distributed network, I can get people to play it, socialize with it, comment on it, boost it, share it. We even worked on a feature where you it, this isn't working yet, but where you can like uh, if you like a game or react to a game, it adds it to your collection. And so that's how easy it is. You could be scrolling down this, you see a game, you like it, then you go on Crash Glow and you look at your your arcade library and it's just there. Um, and then you can you know pay. Uh, like, if there's a cashew fee you pay to play, that goes straight to the developer. They can monetize it instantly. So it's just like empowering, like taking out all the friction and making it super easy to um, bring internet money in, and arcade gaming. Bring arcade gaming into the internet money era is what we were, what we were trying to do.
1: And I think it's fascinating as well, because from a game publishing standpoint, if you create an event representing a game, a data structure representing a game, you include payment information, which is entirely possible using LNURL, or you could also do solutions with Cashew, for example. You could publish your game as a game developer, create the event, and then all, if you have tear down the walled gardens. Keep in mind, we were talking about NOSTA earlier. Any developer can connect to your relay, query it for information, and get it back. So game publishers and game platforms, think of like Steam, for example, they could actually choose which relays, which public keys that they want to fetch the game event and then render it in their own client. So then now, as a game developer, you publish something one time, and the network of game publishers can pull your game and potentially sell it. And that that has huge implications for distribution and getting your games in front of users, which, if you talk to any game developer, that's one of the biggest challenges is, like, one, getting money to then market and sell your game, because you can produce the most wonderful game in the world, but if you cannot get any users to play it, it's really hard to keep building and keep moving it forward. So, like, Nasser represents this, like, especially with the arcade idea, represents this huge pathway forward that we can see a massive shift. Like, for example, Tim Sweeney at Epic Games is talking about this and has challenged the app, uh, Apple App Store, for example, if I remember correctly. So I think, like, this represents a pathway out of the walled gardens that are the app stores, uh, companies, like, pretty much... They also get to pick and choose which games go on their platform, and now we finally have a way to build an open network alternative. And you could even show who, for example, owns that particular game.
0: Yeah, you could do that, or you could keep it anonymous. Um, The nice thing about Cashew is that it's, like, perfect privacy for the player, so if the player doesn't want, like it To be known who they are or or how many times they lost at your game or whatever, uh, they can use cashew and it's all it's all good. But um, yeah, and like it's there is there is a monetization path for something like Crash Glow. We can uh, to enable that kind of unlock to play functionality. We can be paid to store a secret on a server that kind of syncs with the game to unlock it. But the developer could also host that themselves. So you know, open source. You know, software they could they could fork that engine and, and do that themselves. That's not built yet, but I kind of have it all up here and ready to go as soon as I have time to work on it.
1: Too many projects. I, I know, I know right? the yeah. feeling. It's Too hard many to projects. stay on top of everything. And keep it moving forward. Yeah, yeah, definitely very interesting cases. And then you also have because it's a, a social aspect of it, you can also build gamification experiences into these social applications. So yeah. separate from gaming, you can build things to engage your users and build reputation over time on this network as well. So if you, for example, uh, in games, you might have an achievement in World of Warcraft, it, then you might go to Khan Academy and you might get a badge, then you might earn a certificate from like Coursera or edX and get an issue. All of those are like fragmented systems. Now you have the ability to showcase all of those things and really represent yourself as an individual across all the networks. It's, it's really, really cool thinking about cyber, cyberspace as a representation of all of these applications we interact with but are you know basically fragmented and not unified. Now we have the ability and pathway forward to unify these
0: experiences and to carry that with you. I always thought it was super exciting. Like, I was really big into Xbox Live back in the Call of Duty uh, era, uh, when the games are good and it it was just super fun and like I had my friends on there but it would be even cooler if my Xbox Live profile was my Nostra ID and I had all my achievements and my games and my friends list and all like I st- my stats all that stuff was just like all in one spot um, and I think that there's going to be a really cool cross you know cross play between just using a, a social client and jumping into a game and playing it uh, sharing it, commenting on it, and stuff like that. I just think there's so much potential. That's another thing I love about Noster is that every single object in Noster is like it's it's ripe for commenting on and social sharing and you know reacting and all that stuff. You can just basically do that with anything. Uh, you can You can publish a game and then instantly it has a chat room underneath it, you know, where people can start talking. So that social aspect is super powerful, and I, obviously that's being used in, in other cool ways with with the music side. Uh, You know, being able to comment to artists and things like that—it's just uh, that's a superpower that we really need to capitalize on.
1: Absolutely. Any closing thoughts? Anything you want to share with the audience that we didn't get to talk today? And then tell people where they can find you too. Yeah. On Noster.
0: Um. So, I cyberspace is such like a crazy out there thing. I feel like I didn't do it justice uh, with the short time we have, but. Uh, if you're interested to learn more, I'm happy to explain, and uh, I'll be—I I have an OpenSATS grant for developing the cyberspace protocol, um, and so I will be, you know, releasing some some software over the course of this year to to kind of like, I think once people see it, they'll be like, oh, okay, that's what he was talking about, <laughs> um, and so they, you'll see that and it'll make a lot more sense. Uh, but yeah, I'm happy to explain things if people want to chat. Uh, I know it's kind of it's pretty out there. Um, but yeah, you can find me uh, on Noster if you search Arkanox. You can also uh, Arkanox at Arkanox is my Nippo five uh, Noster ID. Um, you could also just come say hi, and I can I can let you scan my barcode. And yeah, I'm I really appreciate your time and attention. It's exciting to to be here and to meet everybody and just kind of be part of this this growing. Thing that we all know is like there's something special here, and I'm just uh, excited to be part of it. So, thank you. It's
1: it's so cool, you know, being able to see like all of this innovation across so many domains. Thank you, Arkanox. And uh, questions? QW. Uh, You mentioned the walled gardens and the Epic Games and the battle with Apple. Yeah. I think
0: that's a pretty good point to mention uh,
1: that Culture Shop app that Terry made. Oh, Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, this is why I'm a web developer. I don't have time for that. That's so frustrating. Uh, I appreciate that people do app development, but it's just like I don't need anyone to tell me what I can and can't publish, and so that's why I'm all in on web and I'm all in on and on Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we need, we need mobile apps. I'm so thankful for, you know, Will and everybody else and, you know, Viter, Viter, however you pronounce his name. I love that guy. Uh, <laughs> he, and, you know, people who are making apps because that is important. But uh, I'm just trying to push the website forward and innovate as much as you can because you can do a lot on the web. I don't think people realize how capable the web really is. It's so capable that Apple does their best to, to, to cripple website uh, capabilities in Safari so that it, it doesn't compete with the App Store because you can almost do anything. Um, it's pretty amazing. So we need all of us to, to continue to build and to, to change the, the public perception of what, uh, what can be done and, and what, these, what life looks like outside of the walled gardens on these protocols.
1: Absolutely. Very well said. Anyone else have other questions? Go ahead.
0: Yeah, so uh, last summer I did some consulting for a Bitcoin startup, uh, Arcade Labs. Um, they've since pivoted into uh, doing AI stuff since since my stint with them was over. But um, So I, I had my day job. I reduced my hours to just kind of do one day a week uh, consulting for them. Once that was up, I kind of didn't have anything else going on on Friday. So I was like, I'm just going to work on Nostra stuff. I'm going to work on OnoSendai and cyberspace. And... Uh, I had applied for the OpenSats grant because Pablo posted the application. He's like, everybody should apply. So I applied. I I literally fired off an application in about five minutes. Didn't think anything of it. Uh, Four months later, suddenly I got the email like, hey, you were accepted. And I only asked for uh, a grant for just like basically that Friday, like just to cover one day a week so I could just kind of, you know, work on stuff and I still have my day job. And um, so, yeah, I got the grant. And so like my Fridays have just been devoted to developing uh, cyberspace and Ono Sendai. Um, and I did, I did reapply uh, to do a full-time. I'm finally ready to make the jump and, and, you know, quit my day job and just go full in on this. And so I have submitted that application earlier this year, and hopefully soon uh, they'll be coming out with the next wave of, of grantees, and we'll see if I get it. Uh, if, if I do, that'd be cool. If not, I, there's plenty of other opportunities in the Noster, Noster space. Uh, if I, if I just say it correctly, I'm sure people will be happy to, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, um, there's a lot of, lot of opportunity, exciting things happening.
1: Yeah, go ahead, Jay. So, I, I just
0: arrived. Sorry. Welcome. Welcome. But, uh, my question involves adoption and human friendliness. So, Nostra, as I understand, I not how Nostra, is a derivative of secure schedule?
1: No, it's not a derivative. No. No.
0: Question. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess I don't know, I don't have the hard numbers, but I'm pretty sure it's over 10,000. There's people all over the world using Noster. Um, yeah. Right. And I'm actually surprised to hear that Scuttlebutt was only 10,000. That seems kind of low. But, because it's been around for a lot longer. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Um, I went to a event called Diva Camp in June, and uh, Ravel spoke. Yeah.
1: I think there is a uh, there is a site that analyzes like lightning addresses pay, lightning address payments and um, well zaps filled and, out profiles yeah filled out like profiles that. and like the the number of notes like going out per day all these sort of things KW do you know the site uh, I can't think uh, of this really about stats. yeah. Yeah. yeah, I would recommend checking out that for like, like basically BI or data reporting around uh, Nostr.
0: Really so the
1: data. yeah, yeah, that's a great thing to track yep. in terms of engagement and growth of the network over the long term.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Definitely, and I think in terms of product user experiences, um, definitely always a work in progress sort of thing with any new technology or revolutionary, you know, protocol. You have to figure out. One, like what are all the things that you're missing and then develop standards as a part of the protocol and get the community aligned across these standards and champion that. And there's lots of discussions that take place um, in the um, pull requests on GitHub, for example, in the Noster chat. So it's a very much so like a community driven and collaborative thing. And then on top of it, there's different representations. Since it is a protocol, you can choose to represent this differently in applications. So for example, uh, ZBD decided to focus on making NOSR as accessible and easy to access as possible. And as a trade-off, we had to abstract the concept of relays. Uh, we abstracted the concept of key pairs. So then the user could just create an account with us, and we generate the lightning address, the NIPO5, identify nostr ID. We, basically take care of everything so they can just click two buttons to be able to create a note and send it out uh, or broadcast it, where other applications are are more focused on the control, the censorship resistance aspect of it, Um, and then you can connect to like multiple relays, you can configure the relays that you're connected to, you can own your key pair, for example, and they empower the user in that way, but it might be a more complex onboarding experience or more to wrap your mind around initially. So I would different... say that,
0: like, an, another way to look at it, I, I agree with what, what you're saying. Um, I mean, Noster really kind of blew up when Jack joined. That's kind of when I came back to, to start using it. And, you know, that was just a little over a year ago. And, um, or was it two years ago? I'm so bad with it. How long? I don't know. Anyway, I, things have come a long ways. Way. Things have come a long, long way since then because it was, like, very rough and almost unusable. I mean, it was just, like, a CLI App at one point, you yeah. know, and now and now we have like teams dedicated to good, you you know, UX, UI, Domus like is
1: buttery smooth. I'm Domus, not gonna lie. Domus
0: is great. Primal is really Primal's doing great work. You know, I think uh, Amethyst is great too, uh, but it's a little bit more like that technical power user kind of vibe. But I think it's come a long ways in a very short period of time, and I think that within five years, it's going to be uh, indistinguishably sophisticated from other things like that. Man, as much as I know, we uh, we might cringe at this. I think we need a good TikTok competitor. I think that would really that would really blow things up because people just want to make silly videos and stuff. And I don't know.
1: I love TikTok. I'm not afraid to say it honestly. I find <laughs> lots of uh, great educational content on TikTok. Okay. Yeah. For example, uh, Heidi, uh, which lunch probably will be ready here soon too. Um, she can watch a one minute video on a recipe and next thing you know, she's executing on it. She learns some new design tool in 30 seconds or some new AI tool to be able to produce social media content, super valuable. And I think, you know, it's just all it is in terms of Nasser too, like one fundamental thing to wrap uh, the mind around is like, it's all events. It's all the same data structure, all the same representation. It's just what you're going to put in the content and the tags itself that might change and vary. Uh, so I, I think like there's no no real concern about saying like tag video for example, and then being able to use all video tags for uh, you know uh, short text note kind one to then showcase this in Messenger and DMs same you know mm-hmm. like all these yep. other sort of aspects commenting same all the same standard so you can build the like one backend service and you can essentially just choose to render all of these events in different ways so. For example, we have a standard for long form content. So you can write blog style or article style content using Markdown, and then I can choose to represent this as a blog, so like my own personal blogster, and all I'm going to do that's different is filter it and say I want this for this particular public key, give me all the events that i produced with this information, and I can choose to render that as a blog. I can do the same thing, maybe I filter on my, my PubKey and Arkanoff's pub PubKey, and I could represent that as a publication. But in terms of the functionality and the event, the data, it's the same. So we can do these really cool things to build clients that cater to every type of user experience and product experience that people want. And that's really the powerfulness and robustness of this. And you can share that data very easily across, you know, uh, or you can connect and retrieve data very easily across multiple servers called relays. Um, so yeah, that's what I, I also feel like that. the
0: other stuff is going to be like I think the social side of Noster will be the glue that holds all this other stuff together. So as we just you know we keep seeing awesome other stuff come up. Um, you know I'm also working on Yonder, the the map client, so people can basically do Google Maps without Google. They can publish their own place, they can own that place, they can edit it. It's cryptographically owned by their key via Noster Like you know more other stuff that is useful to people. Um, I think that's going to be huge. Um, I'm really bullish uh, just hearing all the talk on, on Wavelake today. Like, holy cow, that's super cool stuff. Um, I Transformational. Think that, I think that could, I mean, just honestly, any one of these other stuff things could be the thing that breaks Nostr wide open to the public. If we get a really, you know, if Wave Lake grows and becomes this awesome independent music platform, that could just be like the thing that makes Nostr like all of a sudden everyone's using it. Everything, um, it could be any one of the and and it could be any one of those those other stuff things, but we have people developing like fifty or hundred or a thousand different other stuff on Nostr, and there's more and more you know every day. We just talk, I mean we talked about video games you know we got places we got Opera. mapping News, for we got, example yeah there's just so many different ways that you can you can almost do anything on nostr and so, build like, forums over it as there's well there's going to be like a gradually then suddenly nostr is what everybody's building on thing i think uh, or at least that's my hope um, but something is going to break out and it's going to be big and i think that's going to be how the network grows because it just it just feeds into everything else that's already there all right well give it up for arcanox thank you very much thank you